Hello everyone, and welcome to Dreamer Talks. My name is Abby Volkovich, and I'm your host. It is my job on this podcast to introduce you to dreamers from many different fields and walks of life. It is important to note that we can learn many things from the people we surround ourselves with. This is why I have ventured out to interview dreamers who are willing to share their journey with us. For today's episode, I'm going deep into the archives to an interview I did with a friend named Benji Pollock. You can find Benji and all of his social media handles down below in the show notes, so make sure to check out his content. He takes some really, really great pictures. I did this interview when I was actually traveling with Israelis, which for those of you who did not check out last week's episode, I interviewed Eyal Biram. He spoke about Israelis and the work they do. So I was actually on one of these groups of Israelis in Mexico, in Chiapas, where I came across Benji, where he's uh, going on this adventure. He's traveling on his bike through all of America, from north to the south, and I ran into him in the middle of his journey. For some context in terms of timing, this episode was shot before the COVID-19 crisis, so before the world kind of shut down and everyone went into quarantine. So just keep that in mind for this episode. Please sit back, relax, and enjoy this exciting adventure by Benji Pollock. Welcome, guys, to another episode of Dreamer Central. Today I'm joined with Benji Pollock. That's me with the hat. So, uh, Benji, tell us uh, (laughs) what uh, brings you... We're right now in Mexico in uh, San Cristobal, mm-hmm. um, here traveling for two weeks, and you were also kind of traveling, just in a different way. Can you please share with us your your start, your journey, and then we'll get to how it started and everything. Yes, sir. On August 19th, 2018, I dipped my rear wheel of my bicycle into the Arctic Ocean, and I headed south. Well, sometimes I headed east and sometimes north, but... For the most part, I'm heading south, and I want to hit Ushuaia, Argentina, um, eventually. <laughs> so just to clarify, you went from Alaska, yes, and you've already been through Canada, U.S., half of Mexico, pretty much all of, all, all of Mexico, Yeah, and then you're going to continue. Well, I went to Guatemala to renew my visa, and then I came back to Mexico. <laughs> okay. And so you're halfway, like how long has this all been? To be honest, I don't know. I think I've done maybe 13, 14,000 kilometers. Um, I don't know. I don't count. Okay. It's, it's more than... And how did how did this whole idea come up? Like, why did it... Was it like... Did you always love biking as a kid? Did you want to travel the world as a kid? What yeah. Was, what's this whole... Like, what was the main uh, grain of sand that brought you to start doing this? I don't think this was a main thing. Um... Since I was born, I've never been good in enclosed spaces. Mm. Um, <laughs> when I was a kid, we had a we had a minivan, mm. and my parents were always in the front two seats. My my brother and sister were in the middle two seats, and I always got the back seat so that I couldn't wreak havoc. Because if I sat closer to the front, I would throw shit and <laughs> hit people, and I don't do well in enclosed spaces. In fourth grade. I had a class, it was a rectangle. The left square had a square of, of desks, and the right square was just open ground to do activities, um, play games, whatever. And that's where my desk was. That's, you just are yeah. always doing activities. 
Uh, no, no, they didn't want me with all the other students. Oh, okay. Because yeah. I okay. just... No, I, I never behaved indoors, and, and my release, my freedom was always getting out. Um, and then I learned how to bike when I was, like, three or four years old. It was really early. And since then, like, I biked to kindergarten, I biked to, to first grade. I used to bike to school in elementary school. And teachers used to call my mom and be like, this isn't safe, you can't. I was like seven years old. Like, you can't let your son bike alone to school. I wonder what they would say now. Like, when, yeah, this isn't safe. You can't. Yeah. not let your son bike all of America. Yeah. Right. Uh, totally what, what do your parents uh, say? Like, what's this whole? Uh, I mean, I'm sure you 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 haven't seen them for a while. Like, how's this whole like connection with your family? They were upset at the beginning. Yeah, they still, I think, are sometimes a little bit upset with, with the decision. Um, to go back to the previous question, I, I, I've been thinking about the strip for, I had been thinking about it before I left for like three years. Um, have you ever gotten stuck on like a, a Wikipedia vortex? Uh, what do you Just mean like, by that? Like you click link, link, link. Yeah. Yeah, I, I play that game, Wikipedia, where you go from one word to a completely different word and see how fast you can get there. There you go. So I think I was looking at Middle Eastern politics. Okay. And uh, that was the origin of the strip. You just clicked on Wikipedia and you got yeah, to, I got to bike all over America? No, so I, I, was, <laughs> I think I was looking into Middle Eastern politics, and then I was looking into the history of of trade in Eurasia, and then I started looking into the Silk Road, and then from the Silk Road, I think I clicked one other thing that brought me to the Pan American Highway. Yeah. And my first thought, kind of as a joke to myself, was... So, Pan American Highway, for background, is it's from the northernmost point reached by road in the Western Hemisphere, Dead Horse, Alaska, to the southernmost point reached by road in the Western Hemisphere, Ushuaia, Argentina. It actually isn't the most southern, but they claim to be fin del mundo. Um, and it stuck in my head. I, I, I kind of joked around about riding a bike. I had already done Florida to California with an organized group. It wasn't it wasn't proper cycle touring. They, mm -hmm. they took our bags with them. We had like a, a van to put all our bags in. Um, Wait, so just clarifying. Yeah. In this one, you're biking with all your bags. I have all, I'm completely solo. I cook on the, on the road. I sleep in my tent on the road. I have, yeah, I've got a tent. I've got my stove. I've got food. So you're I've biking got, with how many kilo on your back? I don't want to know. <laughs> you don't want to know? <laughs> I've got what I need. I've got a bunch of luxury items that I don't want to part with. Okay. Um, I counted way up north, especially when I was in the Arctic, Arctic Circle. I was counting everything. Everything was dialed down. I had like my calories counted. I had my water counted. I always knew exactly what I had. Um, because I didn't really train for the trip, so I needed to be really, really precise. And it was, I had about 550 miles with no resupply, no proper resupply. Wow. So in the beginning, it was, it was more important. Now that I'm stronger and now that I care less about timing and can go slower and all that, and I've been spending so much time on the road, the luxury items are kind of nice. Like, I have a ukulele and it's super nice to have. Completely unnecessary, but it's nice at the end of a long it's ride. It's nice when you meet people. And when I meet people, right. When you're alone, too. Like a, yeah. Person. Right yeah, stuff even. Exactly. And like I have I have everything I need with me, so it's I don't know. I mean this you, is this is like, where do I you, live, you right? go to people's homes, do you go to hostels, do you go to hotels, do you have a tent? Like what how's the whole living and like what's your day to day look like? <laughs> Since Mexico it looks a lot different. Um I don't really stay in hostels, I'm staying in this hostel because I'm being hosted. Yeah. <laughs> uh but no, I, I mean, I usually, so the, I have my tent, so I usually, I usually camp, um, 
Up north, I was camping all the time because there was next to nothing. So I would just. I also started very late. I had a I had a shoulder op- operation and I got surgery middle of February of 2018, and they told me six months until I could I could properly use it again. Um, so I had the option. Most people start end of May, beginning of June in the Arctic Ocean, Arctic Circle, uh, just because it gives you the best weather um, window. But I had the option of either starting two months late to reach that six month recovery period, or starting 12 months late. Right. And I didn't know what I was going to do for a full year, so I chose to start late. So I was I was in a pretty big hurry in the beginning, and I was riding every single day. I would ride as far as I could um, until I didn't want to ride anymore, and t- or until it got dark, and I'd pull over in like the forest and set up my tent. Mm-hmm. Um, then once I got to more populated areas, there's I use Couchsurfing, which is a, a program that um, is essentially travelers hosting other travelers. It's kind of right. like a, a give and receive community, so. People host you, you can host people, and it's like a review system and... and kind of um, like Uber for people's couches. Free, too, free. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's really cool. So, so the whole exchange is... It's the payment, I guess, is a cultural exchange. It's a story right. exchange. That's cool. Which is really, really beautiful. And so um, I actually had a, a bit of a hard time in the beginning because I always felt like a leech. Um, and I always felt like I was taking more than I was giving, which is... I'm, I'm naturally a giver, and so it was, it was kind of hard. But I realized that, like... It's such a beautiful experience to be with another traveler, whether you're being hosted or hosting that. I mean, people put their houses on couch surfing for a reason, right? Yeah. They, they clearly get something out of out of hosting or they wouldn't be doing it. And so going into these, going into the host's situations, going into the house, these houses with that mindset has really helped me open up more and, and feel less like I am a client or recipient and more like I am part of a... a friendship. A, right, right, a, a sharing, which is really beautiful. And then there's also, there's warm showers, which is couch surfing essentially for only for cycle tourists, which is really cool because what is that? For, it's called uh, warm showers and okay. it's basically the same, the same program. Uh, um, but for cyclists. Yeah. So uh, cyclists hosting cyclists. And some cool. people aren't cyclists, but it's... Is, it, is there a big community? Like, would you, is there numbers of people that throw around or no? I don't or know. People the... who cycle all over countries and I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Like when I heard your story, it was the first time I heard of someone doing... Right. Something, I mean, as in crazy, like, I mean, I don't mean you're crazy, but it's like a really incredible uh, feat to, yeah. to go on and to actually like, when you're halfway there, pretty much uh, distance wise. Yeah. Um, and it's really, really cool. Like, what interests me is like, what are some hurdles, quite literal hurdles or um, like challenges that you faced yeah. um, during this whole process? I mean, you've mentioned to me that you had some uh, near-death experiences. Those are... Yeah, I've had a, a couple a couple close calls. Um, challenges. I don't know. There's honestly a new challenge every day. That it, it almost depletes the the challenge of it, I suppose. I, I don't know how to explain it properly, but the more challenges I face, the easier it gets, the more normal it gets, and, and the less I think that what I'm doing is difficult or out of the ordinary. ordinary. And um, to mention the community, it, it's funny because I kind of, I was skewed on both sides. When I, before I was cycle touring, I, I I did some research into this trip specifically, and I, I think I found like six people who had done Alaska to, to Argentina on bike, but I had, I, I just knew that there were more people who did it. I didn't know what the number was. 
Um, I was also kind of stubborn, so I didn't do a ton of research because I, I wanted the experience to figure it out myself. Pretty myself. Yeah. Um, so before I started, it didn't seem like it was a very popular thing. And now that I'm in the community, like it seems like everyone and their dogs literally is cycle twenty. So I think it's more than people expect, but I think it's less than what appears to me because I'm part of the community. And yeah, it might be thousands of people, but in the grand scheme of the eight billion right person population, like it's not a lot. Right. But I don't know. People there, but those people exist. It's not. Absolutely. It's not like you're the lone uh, wolf doing this uh, interesting thing. Yeah. Um, that's really cool. That's. Uh, I think it's really important. Uh, I personally have been talking a lot with my friends, and uh, you need to find what you really enjoy and then go for it. You know, and like when I, I'm serious. Like when I heard your stuff, I'm like wow, like this is full out going for it. Yeah. Dropping off the face of the earth of your like you know structured life and you, you you have a degree already right mm-hmm. um you completely like most people if you if you map out people's lives it's like uh school high school university start working get married and you know yeah. it's a kind of a cycle right. and that whole like breaking of the cycle of like yeah i want to see what happens like i want to go biking or i want to do whatever you know every, every person has their own thing i think it's important yeah. that people actually search their their dream their their focus or the, the, what really inspires them to, to live and not just kind of go by, you know, survive. There's like a, a big sentence that uh, I don't know who said it, but it's like life is about living, not surviving, you know. Um, I really connect with that. So what would you recommend to people um, that have that hurdle, that they're stuck in the system of they've been told what to do right. and they don't really know what dream to search? or so, that, so that's why they go with like, I guess I'll get a job, you know. Yeah, so I think about this a lot, actually. Um, so I have a lot, of, a lot of thoughts flowing through my head right now. And, and so to begin, I people asked me why I wanted to do this trip before I left. And my easy answer was I just wanted to get it out of my system. Knowing full well that this is my system and it would only strengthen by doing this trip. Mm-hmm. However, I didn't want to explain constantly, like... I didn't have a list of reasons why I wanted to do this. Um, I kind of built one in my head just to have an answer. Um, but when thinking about the trip, when planning the trip, there wasn't like this list of like, I want to do this because of this, 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 and this. It was, I didn't have a list of anything else I wanted to do. And it wasn't even like... You mean like this was your, your higher than all the other, like you had nothing else? There was nothing. Like I... Nothing else pulled, like dragged you. Like, no, it was wheeling you in. Right, like, people make lists of, like, things they want to do, and they do pros, cons, whatever, trying right. to figure out, like, they apply to multiple jobs, trying to figure out what they right. want. Like, this was the only thing I was thinking about doing. And I didn't know exactly why, and, and but it, it was just pulling me. It felt like, it felt like I needed to do it. It felt like um, something that had to happen. And the, and the other side to that is, is I think I'm often, when someone does something very out there, I... I'm often more comforted by them not having, like, a... Uh, Stuck to the status quo? No, no, no. I, I, I'm often more, more comfortable when they don't explicitly have an answer of why they're doing it um, than having a list of, like, every logical reason why they want to do it. Because I think when you do something very out there that's very out of your comfort zone and that's very, um, I suppose, unpopular, abnormal, whatever, whatever you want to call it, I think you need something more than just a list of reasons to do it. Um, and maybe that's why so many people are, are, 
are lost and not not following their dreams because they're just following a list of logical things that, that they right. think are the right reasons. So I think often, like when someone drops everything and does something crazy out of the blue, whatever, there has to be some innate, like gut wrenching, deep seated right. emotion, motivation pushing them that I think most people can't explain, and that's. Right. That's where I'm at. I don't know exactly what it is. Like, I know I want to explore the world. I know I love meeting people. I know I love challenging myself. I know I love learning. But there's something that keeps me going. All right. You know, um, <clears throat> I heard of uh, Simon Sinek. Yeah. You know, the, the start with why. So yeah. I think, like, he mentioned something very similar. It's, it's kind of like when you can't really explain love, you know? Yeah. Um, I think it's the same thing with passion or, or your why as he places it, right? Malcolm Gladwell um, and Blink speaks about this concept of, um, they set up blind dates relationships hit it off super super well and afterwards people ask one of them like what do you like about the other person and they freeze they can't they can't make a list because people often go into it's the same people often go into a relationship saying like this is the type of person i want this is what they should look like this is what their personality should be this is what their interest should be but connection intimacy is is, is something more than that and i think you need that connection here and intimacy with whatever you're doing day to day life now right um but yeah, the, the other thing that I wanted to say with that is, is um, you mentioned that like, this is what makes me so happy. And there, there are times where it's, it's really not that easy and it's not that perfect and it's not all highlights and fairy tales. Um, and I mean, sometimes I, que- I question why I'm doing it and I question what motivates me and I question why I chose this route. But you mentioned the the quote, life is about, what was it? Life is about? Uh, life is about uh, living and not surviving. Living and not surviving. So I actually, I think the important thing is like, this isn't, this isn't perfect for me. Like it isn't, I don't know how to explain it. It's not always amazing, but I think part of the reason why it's so rewarding and why I'm so happy is because I actually am surviving, right? Like I have the bare minimum of what I need. Um, I don't really have many luxuries. I don't, I don't have, I mean, I have two t-shirts, like, <laughs> like people usually see my entire wardrobe within the first day of meeting me. <laughs> so I don't know. It, to me, it is, it is kind of survival. And I think that we've, we've come to a point in our society and our culture where interdependence is so important and and following previously marked paths is so important that um, people don't take time to break themselves down to the bare minimum and to see what they're made of and what motivates them and who they are and, and where they want to go and so I think even if it's not a dream um, to do a trip like this per se like I think people really need to step out of their boundaries and spend some time alone and spend some time challenging themselves and and do something crazy, whether it's a three-day trip that you never thought you would do or or a month-long journey or a couple-year-long bike ride. Like I think that um, people more often have to step out of their com- comfort zones and have to spend more time alone and spend more time in their own heads. And I mean, my time... Before I was on this trip, my time alone and my time reflecting was in the shower. That was that was my place. But um, <laughs> I think that people need to find that place for themselves. Need to face loneliness. Like I, I'm alone a lot, but I'm rarely lonely. I think it's also um, like look at yourself in the mirror. Right. But like your your 
your soul or whatever it is, you know, like actually like understand who you are. Um, I'm always shocked. People always, I mean, I'm a a relatively extroverted friendly person. Um, I love being with people and a lot of my friends know that. A lot of my friends know that I'm often surrounded by people. And so a lot of them are always questioning how I spend so much time alone. And in Mexico, I haven't had a ton of time alone because I've just been surrounded by people and, and amazing people all the time. Up north, I was going, whatever, five days camping in the middle of the wilderness by myself. And I've had that less so here. But whenever someone questions me how I, how I spend time alone, I always question how they spend so much time with people and they can't spend time alone, right? Like, how can you spend so much time with someone else or with a group of other people without being able to spend time with yourself? Um, and I think that that relationship with self is, is that's really a, that's a heavy answer, man. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's heavy. Heavy. I don't know. I like that. No, I, like I that. have a lot of time to think. Right. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so I think, I think just take risks and, and there can be very calculated risks. Like I'm incredibly fortunate to be doing this trip and, and I worked my ass off to make enough money to, to save up for this trip because I didn't want outside support. Right. Um, but at the same time, like I have extremely supportive parents and I know that if God forbid something happens to me and a medical bill is out of my, out of my budget, or if I get to the end and, and, um, I run, I'm completely broke. I know that I still have a room in my parents' house. So I know that I have, for me, I have a security net and that's something that not a lot of people have, Mm -hmm. not Maybe not not a, not all people have, I suppose. Yeah. Um, and so I'm, I'm fortunate and I'm privileged enough to have and this still do. right. It's still calculated risk for me. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm spending all my life savings on this trip, but I have I have options. But so I think that there that that it, the calculated risk, the the stepping out doesn't have to be doing something crazy for three years. If if you have I don't know, like, if you have two weeks off from your corporate job, whatever, fuck off for two weeks, go into the woods, like, go do something that you're not used to doing, go right. challenge yourself, go, and that's calculated risk, right, because you have vacation time, you don't have to lose your job for it, you don't have to quit, you don't have to have yeah. life savings, but there's still... The element of adventure. The element of adventure and the element of stepping out of a comfort zone, and I really think that you start living and understanding as soon as you are outside of your comfort zone, because the mind searches for habit so much like that's that's the reason why humans have been able to survive so long is because we like patterns we right and we thrive off of patterns and we thrive off of having consistency and having all these calculated and judged judged risks and it's like kudos to the first men that tried the poisonous plants right (laughs) I, i always question like like weird foods and and drugs and like Stuff like that, like, I always question, I'm always thinking whenever I'm eating, like, a seed or or a vegetable, I'm like, there had to have been some crazy guy. <laughs> I look at it as, like, these societies must have had one person who was maybe, like, imprisoned or did something wrong, and they were just, like, the experimenter. Yeah. And they'd be like, all right, we don't know what this is. Eat it. <laughs> eat it, and see if we can eat it, too. Um, but no, I, I think that there there have to be, there has to be someone like that in society as well. Like... There has to be someone who tries eating some random plant to tell everyone that it's okay to do. 
Um, and yeah, I don't know. I, I think I think our minds are so capable and so active, but when we are in this loop of regular day life, um, we lose that activity, we lose that open-mindedness, we lose that creativity. And the beauty of stepping out of that comfort zone and, and trying new things is that it starts firing all these new all these new circuits and all these new connections because it's not what you're used to. It's not what you're doing on autopilot each day. Um, you have to yeah. think on your feet all the time. Yeah, you have to analyze. You have to... I mean, I like am kind of... When I ride, I'm kind of on a schedule. Like, I usually wake up in the morning. Like, I have the same eating patterns. I have the same riding patterns. But I see different things every day. I meet different people every day. I have different challenges every day. Weather changes on me like nothing else. So, yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm constantly thinking. I'm constantly analyzing I'm constantly in a different situation than yesterday and I don't know I mean I've, I've grown so much I've I've reflected so much my I feel like I'm more creative I feel like I'm more open-minded I feel like I'm I'm getting smarter as, as a result I feel like I'm more able to connect with people just because I don't have this this line to follow I don't have right. this, this these things that I'm used to and because there's nothing really consistent in my life other than my bicycle, mm -hmm. um, things that aren't consistent are still beautiful. It's still very easy to latch onto from. Right. So you're gonna get to Argentina eventually. Eventually. <laughs> <laughs> what What is next, or what is along the way? Do you plan anything from today? <laughs> um, aside from you know getting to uh, Argentina, uh, what's the from now until then, and then from then until question mark? Yes, that's it. Question, question mark? mark. Question mark. Um. Yeah. I don't know. I I like to plan. I like to have goals. I like to have structure. Um. Even if it may, if it may not appear that way because of the trip, but. Um, I do, I do like the structure and I do like having something to look forward to. And then I try to plan and it doesn't work. Like I've been in San Cristobal, I think for four weeks now and people ask me when I'm leaving and my answer is just now eternal tomorrow. Eternal tomorrow. Because I say tomorrow and then I get hung up with something else and I meet someone new and I have an event to go to. And, and so, I don't know, I, I am in a very beautiful place of being okay with spontaneity and being okay with not having a plan. Um, with that being said, along with my alone time comes a lot of time to think about what to do next. Yeah. And all I can think about is more adventures. So I have to figure out how to... More adventures. <laughs> I have to figure out how to sustain that. But I don't know. I mean... This is a heavier question. Okay, wait. Um, or if you have another thought to finish that. Um, uh, the answer is I have a lot of ideas and no plans. I have no idea. Yeah. I don't know what I'm doing tomorrow. That's really cool. That's I don't good. know what I'm doing in three years. Yeah. No. I hope you have those all written down. Or stuck. They're stuck. They're stuck somewhere. Yeah. They're in the hard drive. They're yeah. flying around in there. Yeah. A floppy disk. Yeah. <laughs> really floppy. <laughs> um. So you mentioned you have ideas and whatever. Do you have that uh, thought of settling down? Yes. And uh, you know, you kind of finished your adventures and it's not finished your adventures but like yeah but like started the new adventure of a house family and 
etc. Is that uh, in the, yeah. the playbook, or are you are you one of those people that's going to adventure and go on cool things the whole till they are forty? <laughs> I don't know what I'm doing tomorrow. Right. No, but I, I do. I mean, you you understand my question, right? Yeah, absolutely. I I think about it a lot of the, uh, on this trip when I meet an amazing person. Um, no matter who it is, like I, I meet someone amazing, I get really connected with a place or a person or whatever it is. And, and, um, you know, I, I, I think that the best part of travel to me is also the hardest part. Like the, the best part about this trip has been the people I met and the connections I've made and the hardest part is saying goodbye. And I know like this goal right now is bigger than anything else for me so I know that I have to move on and I can tell when I make these specific relationships I, I can tell when they're going to stay um, like when you're going to keep in touch right? yeah yeah exactly and and um, so I, I never really think like oh I'm just going to stay here um, but each time I leave I, I kind of question I mean I love deep connection I love getting to a point with someone when we know our life stories you know like it's it's, and it happens really quickly on this trip just I think because of that openness um, and maybe because of the knowledge that we're going to leave very quickly um, leave each other very quickly but each time I leave someone that I've met um, that I had an easy time communicating with that I, I had a really deep conversation with each time I'm like ah Sometimes I question why I keep moving on and keep or why not building. Just keep staying good friends with that person, or, right? Exactly. Or relationships or whatever, right? Right. Um, and so I don't know. I mean, I definitely I enjoy consistency. I want consistency eventually, but I want this more now. <laughs> right. And I've yeah, exactly. It's, it's, it, it, it's waves. It's it's waves. Like sometimes. I'll be riding for three weeks in a row and not have a single deep conversation and have a really nice relationship with someone who hosts me or someone I meet on the road or whatever. And after I'm like, well, I mean, I could have this regularly. Yeah. But I also, I still have it regularly, right? I still have... So it's a fine line between um, the goal and the journey. You know the whole the saying, like, it's not about the goal, it's about the journey? Mexico's made it about the journey. The cold in Alaska made you about the cold. <laughs> <laughs> you just want the heck out of the cold. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was, I was riding a lot up north. You're carrying a jacket as well. You're, are you carrying every like seasonal uh, gear on you, or do you like I was? buy new and like replace it every now and then? Um, no, I don't really buy anything new. I sent home um, my like deep winter gear because um, I won't need it until the Andes, which I don't know. <laughs> um, but like I still have I have gear for pretty much all weather up to I would be comfortable up to a little above freezing right now um, I sent back my gear from Alaska which was like for negative 20 and your bike so, was also for snow like it was um, I've got big tires on my bike yeah um, you can swap up I guess tires and stuff yeah yeah, but my setup was good enough for for snow. We're gonna we're gonna you're gonna have to put that bike on eBay for like that's like a bike that has a story. You know? Yeah, I'm gonna it's gonna be destroyed by the end of this trip. <laughs> I take care of it, but 
I take on some pretty gnarly places. So, yeah, it will not be in good shape by the time I reach south. So, I don't know. I mean, if someone wants to hang it up in their wall, I don't know. I don't. I don't really. You're like moving, like, uh, I don't need stuff. Finishing and that's cool. Not I have stuff. I'm not here. I have the paint on my ass for my bike. I don't need the, the bike on my wall. <laughs> Yeah, um, I, yeah, that's really, I, I mean, you mentioned that, and it's like, um, it brought up the thought of uh, like trophies, you know, and uh, what people do and want trophies, and I guess a degree also is kind of like a trophy, like, yeah, I'm certified. Yeah. Well, you hey, know, here's this piece of paper that I just spent way too much money and time receiving. <laughs> Hire <Yeah>. me. <laughs> um, you know, I think, I think from your story, um, like I, I definitely like when I heard you tell me your story for the first time, I was very shocked at the fact that you can aim really, really high and it doesn't matter, you can just go for it. And people definitely told you you were crazy and insane. Um, and you did it anyway. Crazy um, and I assume that you had a level of fear but also a level of belief in yourself. It's funny that you say that. Because looking back, like, I don't know what it was, but when I started, like, I didn't train for this because of my shoulder surgery. I was, I was in really, really good shape before I, I was training, but I was in really, really good shape before I started this trip. And then because of my shoulder surgery, I just, I lost everything. Um, I, my metabolism works where um, I gain weight from exercising, I gain weight from running and cycling, and I lose weight if I'm not doing anything. Um, so I lost because of the muscle. Yeah. I don't really build much fat. So I lost a ton of weight while, after I had my shoulder surgery and I was in terrible shape and, um, I was working abroad, um, right before this trip as my last job before I left. And I got home maybe August 11th, I think it was packed and made sure I had everything. Um, I think it was August 14th. I took my almost fully packed bike. I was still lacking some gear. I didn't have food or water on it. Um, I took my almost fully packed bike and I took it on a 20 mile bike ride and I got home and I was like, I guess I'm going. And I flew up to Alaska on August 15th. Um, and I mean, I, I had interactions with very close interactions with bears. I got hunted by wolves. I mean, there, there were tons of things that happened and I was scared in the moment, but I never like, that sounds crazy. <laughs> yeah, it was nuts, but I was, I never I never really questioned it. Like it was never it was never a matter if I was going to wake up and cycle that day. It was never a matter if if I was going to do it. Like the day that I left the Arctic Ocean, I was like, I don't know. I didn't. I, I it wasn't even ex excitement either. It was like I guess it was just exactly where I was supposed to be. That I wasn't excited. I wasn't nervous. I was just there. And now that I've stopped in so many different places, like sometimes. I get nervous about weather, or I get nervous about a route, or I get nervous about where I'm going to stay that night. Or, um, so I feel like nerves have actually come back into play. Um, and it's, it's kind of interesting to, to see. Um, but I don't know, I, the bike is a paradox for me because like sometimes I'm, a storm is coming in, or I have a huge climb, or I don't know when I'm going to sleep at night. Um, and, uh, as soon as I get on my bike, like it's, it's totally cool. 
So I'm, I'm like kind of nervous about getting on the bike for whatever reason it is. And I get on and all the fears are gone. So the bike causes fears and it also gets rid of all the fears. Um, but actually, that's, that's another point you asked me where I sleep at night. In Mexico, I've stayed in, um, <laughs> with quite a few police stations and fire stations and churches and... Um, Wait, police stations? Because like you were put into the police station? Or? Yeah, I know. <laughs> yeah, no. Man, I had a very vivid dream, dream a couple nights ago. There were like three different vivid dreams and they all involved cops. So I really have to watch myself. <laughs> but um, no, never. I just like, if I show up in a town. Um, so if it's a small town, if it's like a rural area, um, I'll ask if I can camp in someone's yard. I have my tent and I'll just explain my situation. Um, and I'll camp in someone's yard. Usually people, someone will say yes. And if there's there's no one with like a, clear yard that makes sense to ask if there are firefighters or if there's a police station or if there's a church i'll go and ask and usually they have a place i'm basically I just tell them what i'm doing and i tell them that i need somewhere safe to stay up north it wasn't a concern because i would just pull into a forest and no one would be there other than bears and i'd sleep right that sounds safe <laughs> yeah <laughs> other than bears there was nothing really to worry about there were no people around but now i mean central america is very densely populated so it's it's a little bit harder to wild camp um so yeah, I just explain the trip and I say, hey, I'm, I'm just looking for somewhere safe to stay. Like I have, I've got an air mattress, I've got my tent, I've got whatever. Can I just stay here for a night? And I mean, I've, I've been rejected a couple times, but but usually, especially in Mexico, people are so, so warm and welcoming here. Yeah. Um, which makes it really hard to leave. <laughs> but no, I mean, people are warm and welcoming everywhere. Mañana. Yeah. Mañana, mañana. <laughs> but um, yeah, so... That's the fear aspect of it. <laughs> yeah. Cool. Um, okay. One quick message that you would want to leave for anyone watching your story. For, I don't know, inspiring for them or just a quick goodbye from you? I think just take a risk and step out of your comfort zone. Um, you're thinking about something figure out how to do it and do it um yeah i mean there's so many people following someone else's dream doesn't do anything for either side if you're not into it right like it doesn't doesn't create fulfillment fulfillment for for either side if it's not where you want to be um and i mean like i don't know i can't I don't think I can do this my whole life, <laughs> but do it for a bit. Like do something different for a bit. Do something on your mind. It doesn't have to be like an adventure. It can be, or not in, in this sense of an adventure, but it can be trying out a different job. I don't know, but yeah, step out of your comfort zone. Challenge yourself. Awesome. Properly yeah. challenge yourself. <laughs> well, I really appreciate you uh, agreeing to the interview finally after, after he, he keeps saying that he's going to leave tomorrow. And I keep saying, no, no, tomorrow we're doing the interview. And so I'm one of the reasons that he's been not leaving as well. <laughs> yeah. I think. And um, then we don't do the interview. And then, we, and then now we finally do the interview. So, so I guess I can leave tomorrow. Uh, I hope I hope he doesn't because we're <laughs> still here. But uh, it's only he can leave after I leave. <laughs> um, yeah. Um, but yeah, it was, it was awesome. And I'm really happy that I, like, along your journey, 
I matched up to be uh, within your journey because uh, thank you for being part I, of it. I really think um, I hope that I'll be one of the people that we we stay in touch. Yeah, um, for sure. And um, I really really uh, enjoy encountering other dreamers and like people who actually uh, push themselves. So I salute you for that, and I wish you the you best of luck. luck. The best of luck on the rest of your journey. Thank you very much. And I hope to uh, keep track. And obviously, you guys all have to check out his Instagram. He's uh, documenting the journey. Um, and uh, make sure to like and subscribe to this video if you enjoyed. Comment uh, any message for Benji or for if you have any questions for him. He'll be glad to answer them. I get yeah. them my way. Yeah. Um, thank you for doing Sure, man. All right. All right, everyone. Thank you so much for listening to this episode with Benji Pollock. If this was your first time listening to the podcast, I want to give you a special welcome to the show. And uh, I welcome you to check out other episodes that we have. There are a bunch of other dreamers that have a lot of things to share. And I welcome you to tune in next week to see other dreamers. Don't forget to keep on dreaming and we'll see you next week.